0: Good morning, everybody. It's Jeff Goldberg for the Sales Pro Network. It is Friday, April 14th. Uh, It's 10 a.m. here on the East Coast of the United States. I'm in New York. Welcome to all you uh, seasonal algae sufferers like me. It hit me yesterday. Uh, As many of you know, I'm a sales coaching trainer. I work with both individuals and organizations internationally to help them achieve measurable and sustainable sales increases. And I founded the Sales Pro Network to be a place where we can uh elevate the profession of sales where salespeople can come and hang out network with each other get great information ask questions get coaching and of course if you've been with us at all before you know at 10 a.m eastern every friday either do a live training or a live interview with somebody who can add value to the profession of sales if you're watching us live, please say hello in the comments. If you're watching us live on Facebook and have not connected your account to StreamYard, it's just going to say Facebook user, so please include your name. And if you're watching us on the replay, please put replay in the comments. And finally, if you have any questions for our guest te- today, <coughs> excuse me, there's the, those allergies, please uh, please put your questions in the comments and I'll be sure to relay them. And it's my pleasure to welcome you to uh, to welcome a man who I not only consider an expert in this field, but a friend, Dean Forbes. Good morning, Dean. Good
1: morning, Jeff. How you doing, man?
0: Doing great. And I'm so glad to see you. Uh, thank you in advance. By the way, uh, you graciously filled in. We had, I had a guest who uh, wrote to me on Tuesday and said, uh, sorry, but I'm going to be on a plane. By the way, after I booked you, uh, and thank you for that. He wrote to me, goes, oh, I'm not going to be on a plane. I said, well, sorry, my friend too late. We've got Dean Forbes and I'm happy about it. And Good morning, Ed- Edward Henry. Good mo- Edward Henry says, good morning, Jeff and Dean another great sales trainer. All right. So, Dean, uh, could you maybe give us the two or three minute version of your background, what brought you up to this point?
1: Yeah, sure. So the uh, the two minute version is I've spent my last 20 years of my career in uh, profession and business in service based sales of some kind. A lot of people who know me know that I spent a lot of time in uh, the beauty industry, working with those service providers and business owners. Uh, And since that, I've expanded into finance, construction, roofing construction, To believe it or not. Uh, as well as an um, internet service provider and home security, as well as retail and uh, marketing. And also, let's see, I think I've done uh, this now across eight industries. And most of the time has been spent essentially selling, but also training and coaching other service providers and salespeople in all of those fields. And what has brought me to this point now is like, maybe maybe a year and a half ago, Jeff, I finally distilled down what it is that i actually do we might be talking about that in this interview in terms of all the pivots and things like that since covid but i'm finally in a place where i now have distilled what i do and coined it even and now i'm teaching that to to the world
0: yeah i'm just writing down the word pivots because we've all had to do some pivoting since covid you're you're not only a sales trainer and coach you're the founder of the apex academy and you teach asq so we're going to start with those things when i saw apex i automatically thought Dean must have spelled the name of his company We're wrong. It must be Apex, but you said, no, that's right. What is Apex? What is the Apex Academy?
1: Yeah. So the way, the way I call it, is, it's Apex. So what happens is the way I came about that is one of the things I've always pursued in my life, Jeff, is personal excellence. And when I work with other service providers and sales professionals, I'm looking to extract the excellence from them like what is the most excellent thing I can take you know bring out of you so you can bring that to the world and so epics literally stands for extracting personal excellence that's it ah,
0: love that <laughs> yeah and, and I know you do that not only in, in your business but in your life I know you're constantly working out uh you know you got you got bigger guns than me my friend <laughs> there we go there's a real man and uh so, so Well, the thing that you really focus on is ASQ. So I think the best place to start is what is ASQ? Uh, I know a lot of acronyms, but that's not what I'm familiar with.
1: Right. So this is not an acronym that anybody else will know unless you, you come through me and you learn it at this point. And so ASQ was born from me really taking a look at what it is that I have been doing and how I've been training and coaching and actually helping you know, clients hit their milestones. And a lot of times that comes down to how do you get a prospect to realize that your offer is the best thing for them well that's through questioning so asq literally stands for the art and science of questioning and it's all about putting the humanity back in the sales process where it's focused on psychology and ethical selling it works with human behavior instead of against it I love so that. that is asked
0: so so how long have you been teaching uh asq so coined as asq
1: just the last year but i've been teaching the principles in asq for a long time at least the last 15 years again this is the distillation of what i've been teaching down to asq and now what happens is if i get to refine it to what i now know that it is if that if that
0: makes sense It does perfectly. And by the way, Edward Henry says from B to C selling, beauty to construction. I love it. Yeah, (laughs) I I do, too, Edward. Uh, So so, you've been teaching this for a long time, even though you might have not called it that. What's been the the impact of ASQ for yourself and for your clients?
1: Well, uh, you know, if if it's okay with everybody else, I'll do a little bit of bragging here. Uh, You know, so with my own personal sales and the clients that I've helped over the last 15 years, it's about $270 million in sales that have been generated because of that. But more importantly, Jeff, the impact has been a transformation of people's lives in terms of like building their confidence, understanding how to actually get beneath the surface with your prospect and not just serve them at a surface level. It's about building those relationships that last a long time. You and I were just talking before we got on and a lot of my business is still fueled by referrals. Well, that's not happening if you're not impacting people's lives, not just on a money sense, but on a life sense, right? What I have this mantra that I focus on, which is like, you know, do have be framework, And what that means is even when I close on a prospect, you know, it's like, okay, so when you have, if you achieve everything that we work on, what will you be able to do? And when you're able to do those things, what will that allow you to have? And when you can do those things and you're allowed to have those things, who will you become? Do, have, be. And the be part is by far the most fulfilling part for me.
0: Got it. So why do you think it is? And I'm assuming that you you have a similar experience to me because we both deal with similar types of people. Why is it that so many salespeople think it's all about the presentation or, or being a strong closer and they just don't get that? If you just have great conversations and ask questions that your prospect will tell you everything you need to know in order to help them choose to do business with you. Why don't more salespeople do that?
1: I, I, I believe what I've seen is that it's fueled by fear and doubt. You know, in, in other words, if, if you if you take up all the oxygen in a room, then the other person doesn't get a chance to express themselves to you and tell you anything negative. And so what people are thinking about, they think they're thinking about the prospect, but really you're thinking about yourself. You're thinking about saving face, you're thinking about being popular, you're thinking about being liked, you're thinking about your status, you're thinking about, you know, you don't want us be invulnerable in any way, shape or form. And so you think that if you sound more intelligent, right? Because people are under the impression that people buy when they understand you. But the truth is people buy when they feel understood by you. And the, the, unfortunately, I got to say, it's probably about 5% of salespeople and, and service providers who really understand that concept right now.
0: Yes. Yeah, so the- you know, they're constantly pitching, you know, that the, they walk in. Thank you so much for your time, which i never advise people to say. That's a okay. yeah. to start out a meeting. And then they, you know, I'm sure your, your time is very valuable. Let me just get right to why I'm here. Here's why Jeff Goldberg and Associates is the greatest training company or, or coaching company in the world and why you should use us. And, you know, my experience is you can see uh, people leave the room. They're still there physically, but mentally yeah. they're gone. Their eyes glaze over and they can't wait to get, you know, they're checking their watch. It, it, it's it to me i mean that's why my program's called conversational selling skills it's just about having great conversations Having great and, conversations yep and as you and i i think agree uh great conversations come from being a good questioner
1: you have to be a good questioner to have great conversations no question about it you never run out of things to say if you understand the right questions to ask you know and so that's that's pretty that that's that should be standard this is the timeless way to sell to be honest
0: yeah, I, I, I used to struggle on dates, you know, to keep a conversation going until I figured out I don't have to be brilliant. All I have to do is ask good questions and, show them and listen and let people <laughs> talk. You know, uh, most people love the sound of their own voice, me included, no doubt about it. But, but it's really about letting the other person shine. And my belief is if you ask the right questions, and I think you agree, Dean, if you ask the right questions and listen actively, your prospect will tell you everything you need to know in order to help. Everything. You.
1: Never known it not to work.
0: Yep, exactly right. So where do you see this going in the next 5, 10, I mean, maybe even 20 years? I mean, we're hearing a lot about AI and how that's going to take over the world. I don't think it's going to replace salespeople at least anytime soon. But but where do you see this question-based selling uh, going in the next 5 to 15 years?
1: So for me, Jeff, I see Ask as becoming the timeless selling model. And I want to tell you why I'm saying that. I don't. It doesn't matter because this is something that's based in, in, in psychological principle, which means it doesn't matter how many things change when you're asking the question, you're the one that's going to be in control. Now, ask focuses on three specific areas, by the way. OK, ask focuses on asking the right questions at the right time. That's pillar number one. Right question, right time. The second pillar is tonality, how you ask the question. Right, You focus on how you ask the question, meaning with a verbal pause, do you lower your voice, is there a doubtful tone, is it a concerned tone, is it a curious tone, right? So you need to know which tone to be in. It's not manipulative, but you have to have a conversation that makes sense, that attracts the person. And the third pillar is the visual cues. I just told a bunch of salespeople the other day, I was working with Kinetic. And I said, do you understand that even when I'm on the phone, because how visual cues work if you're closing somebody on the phone? And I said, well, do you understand that even when I'm on the phone and a person can't see me, they have an imagination. So when I go, so is it more important for you to be here with the price, or is it the results you're going to get? And I do this visual cue for myself. But the person can hear that in my voice. They can see it in their mind when I'm doing that. And so the visual cues you use, whether you're on the phone and they can't see you. But especially when they can see you are super important, especially if you present from stage or you're presenting in a boardroom or something like that. Your visual cues are everything. So that's right question, right time, the tone that you ask it with and the visual cues that you use. That's never going to change no matter what.
0: Yeah, I, I could not agree with you more. I was coaching uh, one of my clients the other day and you know we we're doing it via Zoom and we're role playing. And um, I, I suggested to him that he record himself and watch himself back. Because his facial expressions did not match the things you were saying. Right. And, you know, I agree with you 100%. Even if the, somebody can't see you, even if you're on the phone, the way you look and, and gesture and things, it affects your tone of voice and your tonality and, and right. the way you're coming across. And uh, it, it's why I always suggest that people smile when they're cold calling.
1: Always smile Maybe when you're it's cold
0: calling. It's, it's the oldest saying in the book, except there's a reason, because when there's a smile on your face, there's a smile on your voice. It's hard to sound pissed off or upset or, or, or anything. When even you're smiling, your exactly. I know I look stupid when I'm doing this, but I literally put a smile on my face yes. when I'm on the phone with people, because people can hear that. Uh, yep. so I, could not agree more. So so what problem does ASQ ultimately solve?
1: So the problem that ASQ ultimately solve is this. You will get to go beneath the surface, not just to uncover the problems that your prospect has, but to help them find root causes to the problems that they're having so you can find a solution to help them solve it. And here's what that ultimately does. The, The ultimate thing about getting below the surface with your prospect is this. You will diffuse and eliminate objections oftentimes before they even come up. You will not get the weak brush off of, I'll think about it. I'll get back to you. Just send me the proposal. Okay. And you will not have to chase your prospects anymore. They will chase you. So ultimately, if you can get below the surface to really understand what the prospect's problem is as they perceive it right now, and also guide them to discover what their real root problem is that they didn't know that they have. Not only does your value to them go up the wazoo at that point, but they are put in a headspace where they are persuading themselves to take your offer, as opposed to you trying to convince them.
0: Yeah, when they convince themselves, it's obviously true. When we tell that is them, what, what comeback salespeople who are obviously lying to them trying to right. Take brilliant 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 uh good morning bruce caseman glad that you're here today good morning larry weiss you're going to be very happy in a minute because you had a question we're going to ask dean that question Uh, but you 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 mentioned ethical before What, what do you mean by ethical selling just telling the truth
1: no it's not just about telling the truth actually it's 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 more about acting in the best interest of your prospect all the time even if you lose a sale because that's not the best thing for them and the reason why i had to include ethical uh jeff is because psychology could be manipulative right and so i ask to me i put it like having a sword or let's just say a candle you can use a candle to light the way or you can burn down a house well what i teach and ask is just as great or as dangerous depending on who's wielding the sword right and so you know if your intent is to serve at the highest level of excellence in the best interest of your prospect then ask it becomes a brilliant tool but I wouldn't lie to people and tell them that you can't use the same tools to manipulate someone if your intent is unpure.
0: Got it, absolutely. That's the reason. Yep, yeah. you, you brought up something else a second ago. You you said something that uh, spurred a question in my mind. Uh, sending proposals, uh, uh, what, what's your take on sending proposals? I hear, I speak to salespeople all the time, like I know you do. Yeah, I sent the proposal and they went dark. I sent the proposal and they stopped returning my yeah. call. I sent the proposal and they stopped returning my emails. What's your take on that?
1: So, first of all, I'll say it right now, there's nothing wrong with sending a proposal. There's something wrong with sending a proposal in the dark or blindly. So, in other words, if the first thing the person says, just send me the proposal and I'll take a look at it, don't just say, okay, I'll send you the proposal and I'll talk to you. I mean, what are you going to put in the proposal, right? So, to me, I say, hey, you know what, Jeff, I'm totally fine with sending your proposal. You know, however, you know, I'm not even really sure if I can help you yet. And so I need to learn a little bit more about you and your company and your current situation right now to even know what to put in a proposal. Would you have any objection to me asking a few questions around that so I know exactly what to put in your proposal? Boom, done,
0: that's it. Okay, so let's say they're happy happy to have a conversation with you, you have a great conversation, you ask, you use ASQ, you ask a lot of questions, you get lots of information, you have the information you need to make a suggestion to them, to propose to them. Do you send out proposals via email? Uh, how, How do you handle that?
1: Yeah, so uh, the way I handle it before I send any proposal, right? There's there's a question that I ask. It's always about questions. So I say, Jeff. So now that we, so now we know you want to get to you, your problems, A, B, C. You want to get to X, Y, Z. We've agreed we're going to do this, 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 and this to make sure you achieve those goals. And the way you told me that your board or where makes decisions is that you need to see in a proposal. That's cool. We'll put that together for you. Uh, so Jeff, just so I have better context. You know once you do get the proposal how then do you go about you know you know going through the proposal and then getting back to the person that sent it to you how how, what, what what does that process look like so i have that in my mind so i get that i get that out right and so the point is i want a map from them as to how they use this proposal and how does that lead them to a decision Because then I'm gonna say, okay, great. So you guys look at it, it takes you like, you know, two days, whatever they say, and say, okay, so would it be appropriate then for us to just schedule time to make sure I can answer any additional questions you might have, say in the next two days, sometime in the afternoon, boom, done. All right, I'm not letting them off the hook until I get the, Jeff, you always say this. You're always selling the next meeting. (laughs) You say this a lot. So I will tell you right now, it's in my DNA. I don't remember the last time I left a situation without selling the next meeting or
0: the next interaction of some kind.
1: I don't remember the last time I did that.
0: Yeah, exactly right. Uh, you know, the challenge with sending a proposal, and look, I send proposals too. You know, yep. you know look, I, I used to have a hard and fast rule. I don't send proposals. I will meet with you. We'll talk about the proposal. That way you'll have all the information you need to make an intelligent decision whenever you're ready. But if you don't want to meet with me, I'm not going to put together a proposal for you. I said it a little more elegantly, but, uh, you know, I'm not looking to waste my time. I'm not in the proposal writing business. I'm in the sales training and sales coaching business. I'm in the business of helping people increase their sales. Not, I'm not a proposal writer. Now, I do that as part of closing deals, but that's not my job and if you're not going to give me the time to review the proposal with you to answer any questions to have a further conversation then i know what's going to happen dean i send you a proposal you're going to turn to the last page because that's where yeah. the price is and that's the only thing you're going to look oh, at yeah. you're not going to look at the 12 pages where i laid out exactly what we're going to do so me i'm not setting i'm not sending a proposal and here's a, a trick and i don't like the word trick i, I use if somebody it really is pushing and i'll say great i'll be happy to send you a proposal and i send them the proposal without the price page right you want to you want to know what the investment's going to be we're going to need to chat about that we're going to to
1: chat about it sure
0: that's totally right i love that too yep all right so let's take a couple of questions because when uh when my previous guest canceled on me i said well maybe we'll do a training this week and what questions do you guys have we a couple of our uh, our members came up with them i'd love to run them by you uh larry weiss who's our my favorite phone guy said we have three almost almost in quotation marks almost clients right now who keep giving us the verbal okay but cannot seem to get around to signing on the dotted line we've made the proposals built the relationships and gotten all the way up to oh yeah we're definitely going to go ahead with you call me tomorrow and we'll get it done we make that appointment we call at the agreed time and then it's same thing different day it's not unusual in our business and inevitably these deals eventually close. In parentheses, he said one took literally seven years. But this behavior seems to be getting more and more prevalent. Maybe the economy. It would be great to pick up some Jeff tips, and let's say Jeff and Dean tips on how we can help prospects who've already made the so called verbal commitment to actually pull the trigger in sign. So, what does Larry do when somebody's kind of giving them the run? They seem interested. They said that, yes, we're ready to go, but they just won't pull the trigger.
1: Yeah uh so i read that to myself and it sparked something for me like you know a training that i that i want to do and jeff i I think this is a part where what you said before i think is in the right vein about not not just that you're not sending proposals but about not wanting to waste your time right and so what in a situation like this there's several ways you can handle it but the most important thing to understand is to always get context around how People make decisions. So let's just say it's not one. It's not on a one-person decision. It's multiple people that have to make the decision, right? Before I leave the room or that call, where they say yes, they're going to do it. One of the things I want to know is why aren't they doing it today? So I say, uh, so when you say uh, call you tomorrow and we'll get it done, Jeff. Uh, just to so have better context, what exactly will we get done tomorrow, right? So I want you to tell me what exactly we're going to get done tomorrow. Right. And I'm going to ask it that way in that low voice. Like, you know, I'm, I need to understand that a little bit better, kind of. Right. And so when I get that answer, it will tell me exactly how I need to respond next. Because, but, but I have to respond with confidence. So let's say they say, oh, yeah, tomorrow we're going to we're going to we're going to sign the proposal. Right. We're going to sign we're going to sign tomorrow. If they say that, I say so, Jeff, if you, you you've already told me that this is something that could work for you, you say you definitely want to go ahead. Uh, would you mind, uh, you know, help me understand why we're not just signing it today and just, you know, step right into the process. What's, what's actually holding you back right now? I need to know. And so those are the types of ways I would handle it. I would, and I would get them to tell me everything that's going on. get to the, get to the bottom line of what's happening before I leave the room. And most of the times I believe that that works. I mean, it's worked for me, certainly worked for my clients a lot. When they ask those types of questions, The, the, the thing is you can't let people off the hook with the we'll get it done it's too ambiguous for me what are we getting done how are we getting it done how then will you make your decision what does that process look like paint me a picture so i understand exactly you know what's going to happen next things like that and that's
0: pretty much it for me yeah uh i'm a big fan of of calling people out not not being uh you know confrontational but you know uh, like you said you know what's in the way of getting it done today And, and I'm a big fan of if somebody's blowing you off like that after they said, Yeah, we'll get on a call, we'll do it tomorrow, or whatever that is, let them off the hook. Hey, you know what, Dean, you know, if, if there's something going on here that cause, is causing you to not want to move forward, just let me know because I don't want to be a pest. You know, I will still like right. you. And if you ever change your mind, let me know and we'll be I'll be glad to do this with you. But you know, if you're not interested in it right now, just say the words. I don't want to waste you, your time. I always want to make it about them. Now the truth is, I don't want to waste my time. And sure. I think I think you'll agree because I know you're an attitude guy. I don't want to waste my attitude because when somebody tells me I'm gonna sign this with you tomorrow, it's almost closed in my mind, and I'm yeah. counting it in the closed column. Not really, because I really don't put things in the closed column until their check clears my bank, but it's psychologically I'm thinking, oh, I've got one, I've got a deal tomorrow. And when yeah. it doesn't come through, it it's I don't say it's devastating, but it's deflating, and yeah. you gotta build yourself back up. So I'm a big fan of calling them out and letting them off the hook. Um, so, 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 Jeff, before, before you move on,
1: I, I want to ask you something about that right there. Uh, and this, so, so here are the subtle differences that people people make the mistake with. I always tell people that scripting is, is very important, but that's the structure. But you have to bring the substance. Sure. Now, you and I have slightly different personalities. Now, here's the thing. When you just said what you said, I believe you. See, that? what I want people to understand. I know that when I said what I just said and how I said it to you, you believed me. Because there's a substance behind it. There's a confidence that comes with that. And so I didn't want that to get lost for everybody that's listening right now. Whatever response you choose, it needs to be one that comes with the power of confidence and substance so that the person knows you are serious about your business. That's key.
0: Yeah when I say I don't want to waste my time, I don't want to waste their time either. My, my time is more valuable to me than theirs is, but I don't want to waste their time. And when I say I don't want to be a pest, I'm serious. I don't want to yeah, be, a I be a pest. If, if you don't want to, if you don't think that I really have what you need, just say so. Just say the word. It's not a problem for me. It's it's all word. Or if there's something in the way, we're waiting for a big check from our client, we can't pay you, into whatever the deal is, just tell me. And yeah. I think you'll agree if we've established a relationship up front and we're being, ethical and human people should feel free to open up to us and tell They
1: them. should feel free, free, free to open up to you after you've done that absolutely i agree with that 100
0: yeah the other thing and i think larry is still with us maybe you can put this in the comments larry i think larry only does business fairly locally here on long island maybe in new york city i don't think he's traveling across the country i could be wrong please let us know mary Larry okay. but but if you're doing business locally and somebody says let's do it tomorrow I'll say great I'm going to be in your area tomorrow why don't I drop yep. by at two o'clock because it's far harder to get rid of me when I stop by your place than if correct. I call you and you don't want to pick up the phone for some reason. correct
1: 100 yeah 100 absolutely
0: let's go with, with another question um I believe I'm correct when I say you have sales management experience yes yep that's what I thought okay you manage many teams that's what I thought. So Iris Spector, who's a friend and the vice president of sales at Price, Paper, and Schwine, he asks, what about accountability? I always watch the numbers, but don't always know what to do when my reps aren't achieving their KPIs. What do you do yeah. when your reps aren't achieving their KPIs?
1: Well, so this to me has always been a twofold thing. So let's, let's go with the first piece. One of the reasons I believe that, you know, and the most successful sales team I've ever had the honor of leading was when I worked at that big, you know, company called L'Oreal. And I had a team of like 16, at one point, probably like 19 people. Now, we always crushed our KPIs. But, you know, the reason is because I was never responsible for the KPIs alone. Let me put it. Let me, let me, let me explain that. We always decided together what the KPIs were. Okay. Uh, and what that means is say, hey, look, the company set this budget, blah, 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 for us, you know, and these are the five areas that we need to crush it in, right? So what do you guys think we can do? And we would have a full-blown contentious engagement. It would be like all out, sometimes kind of like war. But we'd ultimately come to a point where we all agree. And the one thing we all agreed to was that we're not responsible for I'm not responsible for mine. Colleen's not responsible for hers. Michael's not responsible for his. Each and every single one of you is responsible for everyone else's KPI on this team and you need to hold each other accountable. Every one of you, every one of us. Nobody is above the fray. And so we had that mentality going in, right? So we rarely ever missed the KPI. But if somebody's consistently missing the KPI, we did one of two things, right? It's either like retrain or reroute, retrain or reroute, right? So that means you're either in or you're out, but we retrain you, right? And we have to make sure that you still believe in the, the core values of our team. Like what does that stand for? Like if you don't have any standards for your team, like if they don't have like a standard where everyone is of the same accord, you're going to have people all over the place in terms of accountability. And a lot of times, Jeff, when sales teams are missing the KPIs, it's because they have a team of individuality and not a team that's about the team. Hmm. That I can promise you. I've seen it happen too often on sales teams. It's a team of individuals and not a full team working together towards the same goal.
0: Wow. So so when you say you were you've created teams where everybody's responsible for everybody KPIs. So if you have one person or two people on the team who aren't pulling their weight, are you saying the team actually gets involved and encourage them or, or train yes. them? Just you
1: know, say, say, hey Jeff, man, I noticed that your numbers are kind of, you know, kinda lagging. What's going on? I mean, what what do you need help with? What's what's happening? You know, what, what, what's what's in your way? And they would do it. They would actually get in there with their teammates and say, hey, let, let you know, let, let's talk about this, let's talk this through. I mean, oftentimes, Jeff, I wouldn't even really hear about certain problems uh, you know, until it was like dire, like something was major, like, okay, Dean, we can't figure this out. You know, can you help us out? What do we do kind of the thing? That's how it was on that particular team. I've had other teams that you know, struggled with the whole KPI situation. And unfortunately, Jeff, I've had to let people go so that the rest of the team can not just survive, but thrive sometimes you've got to cut the head off of someone you know uh and and sometimes that gets people to fall in line it's like okay we're serious about these standards and it's okay if you're not up to these standards that's totally fine you just can't be part of this team
0: yep that's right in line with what i was thinking when i read the question um i know ira well Uh, he's actually a personal friend besides you know being a member of the sales pro network and uh I, i know him for many years and I don't know this to be a fact i'm just throwing this out there as a maybe only because i know him and because i've dealt with i've trained sales managers just like you have and been one myself um it's possible ira's being too nice a guy and, and quite often i find uh because I, I train both salespeople and sales managers i yep. find that sales managers are very concerned with being liked and oh, and, yes. and, and creating this fun atmosphere and look i want to be liked I want a fun atmosphere too and i do my very best to create it. one of the things i do is outsource sales management i manage sales teams so I, I want everybody to have a good time but the bottom line is you or in this case ira as the manager you're ultimately responsible it's not your sales team that's responsible for this right. it's you and his boss who i also know should be holding ira responsible it's not his job to worry about the sales team. It's Ira's job. And so you could either be nice all the time and happy and jolly and fun and having a great time, which is what I want to do. But at times you do have to be the boss. You do have to be the manager. It's it's just like having children. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all I ever wanted to do, and my kids are now 21 and 20, uh, you know, all I ever wanted to do was just play with them and have a great time and, you know, never have a harsh word or anything like that. And, for the most part, I was able to do that because my kids also knew that if they pushed me past a certain point, daddy was coming out. That's right. The, 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 the guy with the harsher voice. I don't yeah. yell. I don't scream. I never hit my kids, of course, but I I, I was willing to do whatever it took yeah, the consequences. to get them to we'll call it their KPIs. Not that I have yeah. KPIs for my kids, be, because I always felt this. My job is not to be a nice guy to my friend, but to my kids or their friend. And I am a nice guy to my kids, and I'm honored that they consider me their friend. But my job was to turn them into magnificent human beings who are going to, and I like your word, thrive. And sometimes that means you have to say no and you have to teach a lesson. I think it's the same thing with salespeople. It's time to come on in here, Dean. We have to have a chat. What's going on? You and I agreed that you were going to do these seven key performance indicators and you see that you're falling down on three of them and that's affecting your paycheck tell me what's going on what do we need to do how can i support you what are you willing to do it's time to have those what sometimes are difficult conversations yeah. Because unless you're willing to have those and many sales managers in my experience are just not they don't want to deal yeah. with it they'd rather fire somebody quickly uh than, than try to solve the problem but but it, it, true. it's not comfortable when you have to tell somebody you're underperforming and i may have to let you go at some point and i'm with you i don't think you're doing anybody a favor when you keep a salesperson on who's non performing if if you've done your best to help them and they've tried their best if they haven't tried their best time to go or if i haven't done my best it's time for me to wake up and realize i got to do my job but you know some, sometimes you just can't be the nice guy Can do. It, it, it it may be a generational thing but today you know today's sales management the younger people are, are Look, I'm empowering too, and I want to play and have fun, but sometimes it's time to be serious. Sometimes, sometimes it's time to be serious.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, when when my when my obsession for your success exceeds your obsession for your own success, we can't play together anymore.
0: <laughs> and I, lo- I love that about you, because I've seen you say that in more than one post, you know, yeah. you're obsessed with your client's success. That's right absolutely by the way Larry says we mostly do local business but we have clients around the world well if you've got somebody in Germany I guess you can't uh, tell them that you're gonna drop it in oh, and goodbye Larry. <laughs> Larry I hope uh, Dean's advice helped you and uh, IRA hoped it, it helped you too and by the way if you guys who are watching if you have any other questions for Dean please put them in the comments and I will pass them along Dean I, I saw and I didn't know this before and maybe I've made a mistake but you're also involved with a company called first class business what's that about?
1: Yeah, so uh, First Class Business is a company that helps organizations or individuals that are in a cert- at a certain level in their expertise to scale beyond where they are right now. So First Class Business handles budgets of up to $150,000 for scaling. So it's $50,000 to $150,000. So bring an organization in, and we help them to scale beyond where they are now. So that's out- So First Class Business provides a full-blown team and they fill certain spots in your business, from all the way from CEO on down to directors and, um, you know, assistants, designers, uh, copywriting, all of those things. So first-class business is basically a team for an organization that's ready to scale. They give you a, we we give you a team uh, to, to run your business so that you can focus on the things that you wanna do. And so the founder of that company is a friend of mine known him for the last two and a half years or so we were involved in another situation that didn't go that well and then he branched off did his own thing we've been watching each other over the last two years seeing what each other is doing uh and then when the moment was right you now he tapped me saying you know dean i really need um uh, you know really need the sales arm like to be complete at first class business and i believe that you're the guy for that and so we've been exploring that relationship uh as of late and ultimately formed a partnership there and so you know there you go.
0: Brilliant. So so much like I do sales management on an outsourced or fractional basis, you guys bring in anything they need. CEO, CFO, salesman. Got it. OK, brilliant. Love it. I love that model. You know, not, not everybody needs a full time, for example, CFO. I mean, their fractional CFOs are a huge business and, and it can be way more cost effective to bring in somebody who's there on a fractional basis. And the other thing I find is. Um, the people who typically offer that kind of service are true experts at what they do you can't be a fractional cfo unless you're a great cfo you can't be a fractional sales manager unless you really know how to manage sales people so that's brilliant love that also i I know that you were recently in sweden training a a team how did you get a gig in sweden and is training people in sweden different than training people in the u.s yes and yes
1: (laughs) so uh so so uh the company yeah, that's for it they're in America too right so what it was born in Sweden the company was born out of Sweden Uh and so that's and so that's where the bulk of the people that company are uh, and so once a year they do this conference so last year I actually did it then too Uh this year though I got censored <laughs> which is why I don't want to say the name of the company I got a little bit. Well, I got called into a meeting before the training to kind of talk about the things I could and couldn't say. I guess they thought that last year got a little bit too rambunctious. They've never seen their people interact that much. But Jeff, listen, you and I are from New York, man. And if if this were happening in a New York setting, nobody would care, but they kind of cared about how that was going to go. I mean, it went well, totally fine, but I felt a little bit watered down, you know, like just, just a little like OK, I, I guess I'll do it because, you know, at this point, there was a check attached to it. And so, you know, <laughs> you know, I didn't want you to do, you know, but uh, but yeah, it, it, but but it's, it's, it's fun times. Uh, it's a it's a Swedish company. They're growing here in America. It's a it's a beauty company uh, for professional salons. And, and, you know, I for some reason, I can't seem I I'm not trying to, but I can't get away from that industry because that's the industry that raised me. Uh, and allowed me to go off into the other seven industries. I went off into to train and, and coach other service providers and salespeople. But uh, it's a fun gig.
0: Yeah, uh, it's funny you say that. Uh, I had a guest on, I think about a year ago, and oh, I can't remember his name, and I can't remember the name of his book. Uh, boy, oh boy, as you get older, Dean, it gets tougher and tougher to remember stuff. But but um, I always do a pre-interview, uh, and, and you know, he was using dropping f-bombs like crazy, and I said, um, you know uh i've had other people on my show where where they drop a bunch of f-bombs i'm okay with it but i just want you to know some of my audience did send me notes afterwards saying they couldn't listen anymore they don't want to Uh, and he goes i do this when i'm training like you do this in front of corporate audience he goes it's in my contract that i'm going to be using the (laughs) f-word I have certainly crossed over the line more than once for the company and had to speak to human resources later. Say, so yeah, I'm sorry. I'll never do that again. I never dropped an F bomb in front of a corporate client. Yeah,
1: me, me neither, actually.
0: Uh, well, actually, that's probably not true. Yeah. Although when he told me he does it, I'm like, oh, maybe I should put that in my contract. That'd be a great thing. I'd love to be able to say whatever I want to. By great. the way, you know, I, I also do stand-up comedy. That's why I went into stand-up comedy, so that I could just say whatever I wanted on a stage, because sure. you have to be somewhat cautious in front of a corporate audience. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you brought it up before that, y- you know, y- you've done a lot of work with, because you came up in the in the salon industry. Is that why you specialized for a long time? In, I know you, you do way more than salon business now, right?
1: You're working with all kinds of companies yep so uh, i now i work with service providers just service providers and sales professionals in the service industry service-based sales professionals and the reason why service based is because everything i've ever done has been service-based so i don't do product-based salespeople. uh and it's not there's nothing i have nothing against them it's just i'd be lying if i said that's my expertise so wherever you provide a service wherever you sell a service i'm your guy and and the reason is because those are the situations I find where you get to build the greatest relationships and that's how you serve people. Right. And so I do that. Uh, the, and the, obviously the obvious reasons for, for being in the beauty industry this long is because, again, it's where I grew up. I mean, they they're the beauty industry is what gave me the engine for the car that I already had. They gave me the engine for it.
0: Makes sense. Yeah. Uh- uh, i don't have the beauty experience that you do but i was very fortunate to work with a uh with tg for a while and, and they're just fun people that yeah. they have a different attitude you know that i mean the, the the salon business is, is fascinating anyways because it's so it's so physical you know your hairdresser gets intimately involved with you well i guess not yours anymore <laughs> but, but you know uh it, it, it it's, it's fascinating because it's such an intimate thing and it was really a lot of fun to work with them in fact uh they took me to cancun for their annual convention it was the best uh convention i've ever seen i think it was three or four days first of all being yeah. in cancun doesn't suck to do it doesn't do anything, suck right but well, they did not have fun they spent gazillions on, i mean there were runway models and people cutting hair on it was uh it was the greatest show i've ever seen um what are some of the challenges that a hair salon has when they're selling so there's a lot of fear
1: in salons, when they're selling, so the big thing is they don't want to sound salesy or feel feel pushy because they're artists. I'm I'm an artist, you know. I'm an artist, and whenever you're an artist, you have this uh, this aversion for sales. And so, what I've been able to do over the years is to teach them that look, sales isn't a dirty word, right? It's not a dirty word, but there's a there's a there's an art to how you approach sales. And so, when I teach, um, you know, when I teach sales. Um, I teach the, um, what was going on? Sorry about that. Somebody's trying to call me on Facebook as we're talking, but (laughs) when, when I, when I teach salon owners and the service providers inside a salon, how to sell, there's no such thing as selling that's happening there. They're educating. So what we do is we say, you're going to educate your guests on what you're doing. And I teach them this one framework that changes the game and it's called PTGT permission to go there framework. And it's simply something like this hey jeff just so you know when i'm completing your service today based on what we agreed on i'm going to be using a very specific regimen of products to help us achieve your look when i'm doing that i'm going to tell you what they are why i'm using them and how you need to use them when you take them home is that okay with you yeah and then you do it and the sales actually pretty much over right there because jeff gave me permission to do all of those things and so it's not awkward when I'm doing it anymore, and that right there has created so many six-figure stylists and just changed the game for them when I when, when I do that.
0: Wow, yeah. Uh, when I was working with T.G., it, it was really they were selling to the salon, they were selling hair color mm-hmm. to the salon, so it's a different yeah. sale. But by the way, I do uh, product sales, so. Whenever you have somebody like that, I'm your man, Dean. I'll set I'll set in your way, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's talk about a subject that I think is near and dear to uh, most salespeople's hearts, prospecting. Uh, I know you have certain things that you do and don't do, but for most salespeople, what methods are you suggesting and, and teaching to your clients to help them develop more prospects?
1: So here's something that people think is dead. Dial for dollars, pick up the freaking phone, man. Like, I don't really, look, If you pick up the phone and you ask the right question, people will see you. I mean, look, if I made 20 phone calls a day and I got two appointments out of it, why is that not worth it? If I did that even three days a week, I have six appointments for the week and I could close two of those six. I mean, I'm pick up the phone. That's the number one thing I tell people right now. Go get on Google, put in your zip code, and put in the type of business you're looking for and start dialing. You don't even need anyone to help you with that. And it's still works i promise just did it this week still works right uh so that's number one uh number two is you need to have the proper script so you need a proper structure and you bring the substance to the, to the script don't just call. I'll put it like this people in my inbox hey dean thanks for connecting how you doing today like you care like you actually care. And then when I say I'm doing well, you please go, oh, we provide, and they vomit on, on my inbox. Like, get out of here. Stop doing that. No, you have to connect for real. Right? You got to connect for real. Right? I mean, for me, when I call, say, like, hey, I was on Google looking at these types of um, businesses like yours, and I went to your website. Beautiful. Love the colors, loved your gallery. I mean, it was amazing. But I did that and I'll point out something that was there and I say, hey, by the way, my name is Dean, you know, I'm just with Epic's Academy. And I was just wondering, would your company have any objection to taking a look at some possible hidden blind spots in your current sales systems that are costing you money? That's it.
0: <laughs> yeah, so many people. Uh, uh, and by the way, uh, last week's guest was Wendy Weiss, the queen of cold calling. Uh, so many people don't want to pick up the phone. Uh, they think it's dead. They think it never worked It never will work, except. I still consider it the most cost-effective and time-efficient way to fill your calendar with appointments if you don't have enough, but you've got to do it well, I agree, you've got to be scripted, you've got to be prepared for when they say no, and you also have to understand that it is harder to get appointments than it was. 10, 15, 20 years ago on the phone. The numbers you just said are, I've got a, a coaching client. He dials for dollars an hour every single day. And, and I know that because he texts me every night to let me know that he did it. it it's, you know, he, he, by the way, he came up with, he goes, Would you be okay if I just text you every night to let, you know, I need some accountability? I'm like, you beat me to it, my friend. That's a perfect yeah, So every night he texts me. I call for an hour, I got zero appointments, I got one appointment, I got two appointments. So this guy cold calls five hours a week. By the way, he's not just a salesperson, he's a sales manager, he's got a lot of things to do every day, just like we all do, but he makes sure every single day he cold calls, calls for an hour. This guy gets an average of four appointments a week. Five hours of calling, four appointments. Now, you may you may look at that and go, Oh, that's a lot of time to only get four appointments, except like you said. What if you're, let's say your closing ratio is 25%, you're closing a deal a week. Exactly. Half of that, you're still closing a deal every other week. And depending on the dollar volume of your sale, that may be enough. Uh, I I do uh, think, though, that cold calling is not enough alone. I think it's it's in conjunction with using email, using LinkedIn. I I know you don't because your business is almost 100% referral based, but you got to be doing it all. At least you should be doing anything that you're willing to do that will actually yes. work for you. So some people, I'm not cold calling, I'd rather live in my car. <laughs> <laughs> I like teaching and I just don't like doing it. Right. But that's why I'm so active on LinkedIn, why I'm yeah. big on getting referrals, why I go to a networking group regularly that provides me with a lot of business. You got to be doing something cuz You know I, I think that that, that sales people tend to forget or they don't want to remember that Anytime you stop prospecting, somewhere down the line, you're not going to be able to make any money. You're not going to be able to make the number. And you know what, Jeff? Look,
1: I don't I don't actually enjoy cold calling that much, probably like most people don't. But, I mean, I've just learned how to do it because I had to, right? I mean, the, the salon business, when you go door to door, like, you know, B2B, is a cold calling business. And they're actually working when you knock on their door, which is the worst time that you can knock on the door, right? But well, you have to master that. So here's the thing. If you're that busy and you really don't want to do it, look, outsource it teach train your vas if you want to you want vas to actually produce for you stop dropping into people's inbox on messaging have them dial so get a good english speaking um you know don't, no don't know disrespect but if you work in america get a good english speaking person even if they live in the philippines or wherever they live just make sure they can speak proper english right and get them to the dial for you give them the script i promise you they'll master it you can and you know what they get paid probably like a dollar an hour when they're there pay them four bucks an hour have them work four hours a day for you I, I will gladly pay a va 20 bucks a day to dial for me and bring me two three appointments a week
0: gladly I, i'll do better than 20 bucks a day because you're right they get paid peanuts i mean that's why you can get a va for four dollars an hour eight dollars an hour but exactly you know, i'd rather say you know what i'll pay you 20 bucks an hour i want you to be thrilled because i want it to come through in your voice you know uh, you don't have to sit on the phone if you don't want to you can absolutely pay somebody to do it I do believe that nobody cares about your appointments more than you do so it's better if you do it yourself but from a saving standpoint go pay somebody to do it Uh, whatever whatever you're going to do worst case scenario right (laughs) pay somebody to do it
1: but don't stop prospecting don't stop i mean it's it's crazy to me that any salesperson or service provider could not be prospecting in some way shape or form you just got to do it it's part of
0: the game Um, You used to say, and I'm taking this right from uh, something I read, shed the exhaustion, worry, fear, and overwhelm. Now you're just one 15 minute rapid results call away from balance, peace, confidence, and freedom. I saw it and I went, whoa, that's a strong offer. Do you still offer rapid results calls and what are they?
1: Yeah. So a rapid results call is, is basically, I still offer them uh, and rapid results call are an audit of what's going on in your world right now. It's a really simple audit. I ask very specific questions, right? And typically it's like four questions and sometimes those questions kind of lead into other questions depending on what you say, right? So it's the first question out of the gate is something like, hey, so Jeff, you know, uh, paint me a picture here, right? If if for whatever reason, you know, you were able to get what you wanted, right? And you and I sit in a coffee shop 12 months from now, looking back, what would need to have happened for you to believe that you've achieved total success? You know, what would need to have happened for you personally and professionally if you say, yo, I'm so glad I made this decision. So that's the first question out of the gate. And people have to stop, pause, and think, right? So I'm auditing what's going on with them and see where they are. And then I'll say something like, so what's the reason you don't have that yet? Like, why don't you have it yet? Right? And then it goes into, so what have you tried before? What resources aren't you leveraging right now? If you don't have it yet, what, what, what have you done that's not working? Or, you know, where are you with all of that? And they tell me. And then I'll say something like, well, this is where you are, recap it really well. Say, does that sound about right to you? And I'll say, so would it be appropriate for me to share with you now how I think I might be able to help you? Not certain if I can yet, but I'd like to share how I can. What do you you think? And they go, yeah, absolutely, please. But the questions are so deep on that RAP results audit, it literally takes 10 minutes to actually go through that. By the time we hit minute 15, we probably end up going 30 minutes because the person wants to know how i can help them and that's what a wrap results call is
0: yeah i, I love, just gave you all the secret y'all <laughs> I, I, I love how gentle that last question is you know would it be appropriate if i share with you how i might be able might be able to help you I always
1: transition i oh, guys all right if you take nothing else out of this always get your the prospect's permission to transition to the next phase you recap what just happened? Make sure they're nodding and they say, So, Jeff, would not be an appropriate time then for me to share with you blah, 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 depending on where you are in the conversation. Always ask permission to transition. Just-
0: and I also love that first question. By the way, I asked out on every, well, not with coaching clients, but uh, with, with, maybe I should start, huh? With training yeah. clients and out to our sales management clients, certainly I always ask this question. You know, let's say you and I are sitting in your office six months from now. And what would have to have happened yeah. over the last six months for you to say, wow i am so glad i decided to work with you jeff because when they answer that question they're telling you exactly what they're looking for and, and all you have to do is mm-hmm. say you can provide that all you have to do is go great that's exactly what i'm going to do for you i like to let people yep. sell uh, i i Look, I'm not ashamed of being a salesperson. I'm a proud of being a salesperson. I think we make the, 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 the economy move. But but um, I don't need to smack people in the face with it. I'd rather let them sell themselves than me have to talk them into something. Because I don't believe you and I, with all our skill and experience uh, over the years, we're not good enough to talk anybody into anything that they don't want, don't need, or can't afford. And exactly. I don't want to. I don't want, to. I I'd want to find more prospects to speak to so that some of them will go, I need some Dean Forbes. I need some Jeff Goldberg. There you go got it um as you know i always looked at at, look at guest linkedin feeds to get ideas for topics of conversation and i saw (laughs) about a year ago you post you had a post in there with a picture of king leonidas from 300 yeah i'm the biggest 300 fan i love that movie i've watched it a gazillion times leon i mean this is Sparta. i just love that Uh, so it did catch my attention and the actual post was not about leonidas it was about how to tell epic 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 stories that make an impact i love that idea so why are epic stories important when, when we're selling and how can we be better storytellers
1: yeah so i think the way you have to you you, you need to know the steps in what makes an epic story and what i've done I, I'm, a, I'm a movie buff in case y'all don't know i'm a movie buff i watch all different types of movies uh, you know especially like actions epics historicals uh you know i watch all that and epic stories always get to the emotions of people and that's how people buy the reason why you have to learn how to tell great stories is because people buy based on emotion right it's a psychological emotional thing that's how they buy so when you tell great stories it makes sense to people like you know because you can get trapped in what I call um techno babble you get trapped in techno and people people check out and I don't get it. it doesn't relate to them in their lives and so if you understand the structure of a great story, you talk about the hero. Like every story has like a hero in it, right? So you know, who, who's the hero, who's the main character, and what's his problem? That I call like the villain, right? The villain of this particular story is, is a person or a situation that they're going through that they need to overcome. And then what happens in that whole thing, they introduce what they call the guide. Somebody who guides them along. That would be Jeff, that would be Dean. We're the guide, right? But here's a, here's a mistake that most people make when they're the guide. When you're the guide you're not the hero people remember this you need to get the hero to picture him or herself as the hero in their own story because it ain't about you okay you're the guide. all right and so you have to understand the structure of a story right there and then you have to talk about that how did you how did you get over it like what 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 is going to happen what is the transformation what's the projection if you do this what's going to happen later and I always actually use what I call an imagine question. This is an ASQ question, it's called imagine question, which is, hey Jeff, imagine you were able to achieve ABC. What would that change about your business? How would that impact your life, your children, your wife, your friends, whatever? And that right there to me is the anchor in the story where the person goes, yeah, I can see that for myself. So that's why it's that important. And I love to do it, especially from a stage. It's my favorite place to tell great stories.
0: Me too, brilliant. Uh, so so Jeff and Dean aren't the hero. We aren't Leonidas, the prospect is Leonidas. The prospect
1: is Leonidas, you got that right. The prospect is Leonidas, exactly right.
0: Got it, perfect, I love that. And what is the power of pursuit?
1: Yeah, so power of pursuit is something that I completely believe in. So you know how a lot of people, a lot of times they have either doubt or fear about especially if they fall down you know or they don't think they can do something inside their mind and things like that the thing about fear and doubt is that you can do all the meditation you want and this is my experience right you can do all the meditation you want you could pray all you want you could get on your knees all you want do whatever you want to do but if you take absolutely no action you can't get out of that headspace you cannot get out of that headspace i mean look nine thousand shots This guy missed 26 times. He was trusted to take the game winning shot and he missed it. Okay. Michael Jordan, you miss a hundred percent of the shots. You don't take, but here's what happens. If you have the courage, just enough courage to be okay with failing enough, you will eventually succeed, but you gotta pursue your dreams. you got to pursue your obsession. You need to pursue it get up and pursue it and when you do that your confidence builds doubt goes away you have less fear it's replaced by 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 feeling free and so that's the power of pursuit when you pursue it you'll become more confident less doubtful and less fearful end of story
0: got it I think we only have time for one more question I I think I think most salespeople and most managers would agree that in sales mindset is crucial it's important Uh, i I have a friend who wrote that uh, mindset is everything and attitude is everything i don't think it's everything but they're they're important what do you suggest we do to protect our mindset so what i would suggest is that you
1: find you find what keeps your, your 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 saw sharp as uh stephen covey said in his book the seven habits of highly effective people jeff there's a reason i work out almost every day listen it's not every morning that I like working out, but I like the results. It sets my mind right for the day, right? People can't upset me. They don't get under my skin. So I work out every day. I enjoy my kids. Now that my teenage daughters live with me, I enjoy them a lot. You have to find ways to enjoy the little things in life that fuel you. Like the, the, you know, s- Stay close to the purposes or the reasons you do what you do, and your mindset will be right. And... I have three mantras that I live by in my business right now. And that is, first of all, it's um, people before profit, impact before income, and service before sales. I live that through and through. And that keeps my mind right as well.
0: I love that data and if you have the time I hope you'll come into the uh, sales pro network and just put those three things under under this interview so everybody can have them. Dean i'm sharing my screen right now, can you tell people how they can reach you if they're interested in having a chat with you, uh, maybe one of those calls maybe talk about possibly doing business.
1: Yeah. So, best way for you to reach me right now, if you you could reach me on Messenger on Facebook, if you want to, no problem. Just told me tell me that you listen to this call with Jeff and Dean, and I will be happy to talk to you. My email is right there. It's Dean at epicsacademyhq.com. Epics Academy is the name of my company. It's name of my training company. Right. So it's Dean at epicsacademy.com, and of course, my phone number is right there. Do not bomb me on the phone unless you really want to talk to me about moving your sales forward. 239 Two three nine five six four
0: 5495, five.
1: easiest ways to do it.
0: Awesome, thank you so much, Dean. I, pre- I really appreciate it again. Thank you for filling in last minute like this. I know you're a busy man, so thank you for making time. and Thank you for generously sharing your brilliance. And I'll end as I always do, by the way. Good morning, uh, good morning, Ray Aurora, who said hello uh, just before we're closing. And Larry Weiss is saying, I share those same mantras. Great to hear, I'm not alone. And there's a cute baby in your picture there. Uh, Larry, I'm guessing that's grandchild maybe. We'll, Larry will let us know. All right. I'll, and as I always do, thank you, Dean. And uh, how do I end? Oh, sales is a game of making things happen. <laughs> By the way, that's not the first time that's happened. Sometimes when I'm doing a comedy show, I'll go, gosh, I forgot that joke. Does anybody know it? And that, that actually gets a that laugh. Gets a laugh. <laughs> it absolutely does. But sales is a game of making things happen. So get out there and make sales happen. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks again, Dean. Thanks, guys.